Once again, my name is Luke Simmons. I'm one of the pastors and part of our preaching team. And we're getting into the last few weeks of this series we've been in on the Lord's Prayer. After that, we're going to go to one of the most famous and most comforting psalms, Psalm 23, looking at how God is our shepherd. We'll turn there in a couple weeks. But for today, I want to read from Matthew chapter 6 and then help us understand what Jesus is meaning when he teaches us to pray uh, for forgiveness. So if you have your Bible, you can follow along. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. Jesus says this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. You know, we started big picture in the Lord's Prayer, praying to God as Father, the Father who reigns in heaven. And, and the prayer begins really talking about how we want God's name to be hallowed, to be high and praised and lifted up, how we want God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. It kind of begins with these macro re- requests. And then last week and this week, it begins to get much more specific. Last week, we looked at how we pray for God to provide our daily bread. And today, we're looking at how we pray for forgiveness. It was important to Jesus as he taught his disciples to pray that forgiveness was part of their regular prayers. So we're going to look at forgiveness out of this passage and ask four questions about forgiveness. Four questions about forgiveness. And here's the first one. Why do we need forgiveness? Let's start with why. Why do we need forgiveness? Now, I don't know if you've memorized the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've been working on that, actually, through this series. Uh, But if you're someone who's memorized the Lord's Prayer, there's a chance that it happened one of two ways. Uh, Potentially, you're a person who learned the Lord's Prayer in church. Maybe it was something that the church you grew up in regularly recited, and so you learned it that way. Or maybe you learned it through sports, through sports. I actually kind of learned it both ways. I grew up in a Presbyterian church uh, that my parents and I attended, and, and from time to time in those services, I remember that, that the congregation would recite the Lord's Prayer. And then when I was 13, I was on a baseball team that was coached by this good old boy from Texas, Phil Ryan. And uh, Phil, it was really important to him that before every game, we got down on a knee and we all circled up and we prayed the Lord's Prayer. Uh, even my Jewish friend, Alex, who was on that team, <laughs> he had to pray it too because this was really important. We prayed the Lord's Prayer, kind of that locker room scene you can imagine from the movies when everyone's gathered around and praying the Lord's Prayer. Well, when we began to do that, I very quickly realized that people prayed this prayer different ways. Uh, I had grown up praying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But when we began to pray the Lord's Prayer, all of a sudden I heard people pray it differently. They said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is kind of one of those funny, weird, you know, Christian subculture things, but it's kind of funny when there's a big group of people uh, that are praying the Lord's Prayer together because no one's quite sure, what do I do? Do I say debts or do I say trespasses? What do I do, right? And, And those things actually seem pretty different if you think about it, right? What's a debt? A debt is something that you owe, it's a responsibility that you have that you've been unable to meet. It's, it's some place where you've fallen short of what was expected. That's what a debt is. 
But a trespass, that's very different. A trespass is, is some line you've crossed. It's something that you weren't supposed to do and, and you cross that line, you trespassed. And so it's very kind of weird if you actually think about it that we kind of use these two words interchangeably when it comes to the Lord's Prayer. Why do we do that? Well, there's actually a very interesting historical reason for it. See, the New Testament, which Matthew is writing in, was written in Greek. And, and he, he wrote in Greek, but, but Jesus and his disciples, mostly the language they spoke was Aramaic. And in Aramaic, one of the words for sin is one word that can mean both debts and trespasses. Debts and trespasses are all wrapped up into this one Aramaic word. But it's not like that in Greek, and it's not like that in English. So when Matthew, who was an eyewitness to these things, and he saw Jesus, and he, he heard him teach, and now he's writing down all the things that Jesus taught. He's writing down what he said about prayer. He has a dilemma. What do I do? Oh, he used that word, and it, it was such a rich word. It, it meant both debts and trespasses. What do I do? Well, here's how Matthew solved that problem. In verse 12, he says this, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. But then in verse 14, he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Two separate words, debts and trespasses, both of them telling us why we need forgiveness, right? A debt is something you owe. We had some really cool news this week actually related to debt. Some of you will remember this past Christmas, we took a Christmas offering and part of that Christmas offering was that we wanted to be able to pay off unpayable medical debt for thousands of people in our community. And because of your generosity, this is incredible, we actually were able to pay off $7 million worth of unpayable medical debt that just had people shackled. They couldn't pay it. It was a debt they owed, uh, they were responsible for, but they, they couldn't pay it off. And those debts were forgiven because of your generosity, your ability to pay that debt, right? A debt is something you owe. It's something you should do, but you fail to do. You can think of a debt this way. A debt is, is, is sins of omission, the good things that you owe God or you owe other people. You, you should be loving and you're not. You should be kind and you're not. You should be thoughtful and you're not. You see someone in need who needs help and you don't help them. That's a sin of omission. That's a debt. On the other hand, there's trespasses. Trespasses are those areas, again, where we violate, where we cross a line. It's the thing you know you shouldn't do. You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't steal. You, you shouldn't fudge the truth. You shouldn't be greedy, and you are. When you do those things, you cross that line. That's a trespass. Listen, we have mountains of debts and trespasses before God. God made us to love him and to love one another, and we don't do it. We fail to do what we should do, and we do all kinds of things that we know we shouldn't do. Even if you're not a person who really believes in the Bible or follows the rules of the Bible or any of that stuff, you still have things that you think are right that you haven't done. You haven't even lived up to your own standard, let alone God's standard, and that is why we need forgiveness. Jesus knew that his people would need forgiveness. Now, the second question that we need to ask about this passage is, well, what is forgiveness? Right? We just have said this word. I don't know how many times I've already said it in this sermon so far. But what is forgiveness? Well, the Bible uses four different words that, that are all translated as forgiveness, and they all have a slightly different angle when you unpack the fullness of what those words mean. Uh, one word that's used to describe forgiveness is to cover. 
to cover. You can kind of imagine this like, like a rug would cover a stain, right? I'm, I'm standing on this rug right now, and I don't know, perhaps there's underneath this rug on the concrete, perhaps there's a big stain under there, and if, if so, th- this rug would cover that stain. When, when God forgives us, he, he covers our sin. Another thing that he does is he, he lifts and wipes away he lifts and, and takes away our sin. This would be like removing a stain from a carpet. Maybe you've spilled something on your carpet before and, and what you do is you get out the, the, the towel and you get out the spray bottle and you spray it with whatever kind of chemical agent or maybe you're an all natural person, I don't know, but you spray it and then, and then you get that towel out and you kind of, you, you tap it and you tap it and, you, and what you're doing is you're lifting that stain away. When God forgives our sin, he lifts our stain, he removes it. Third word for forgiveness in the Bible has the idea of wiping the record clean. Wiping the record clean. Uh, I don't know about you, but we've been just making stuff up for our kids to do and making up chores because it's like, holy smokes, we gotta figure out some stuff. And so uh, the other day, uh, Molly said, you know what we need to do? We're way overdue to kind of clean our baseboards and other stuff like that. And so she got out these things, maybe you've seen this, uh, called a magic eraser. It's this kind of sponge pad and it like, is mind-blowing. I mean, you really just like, you, you rub it on stuff and it gets clean. Like I, I, I looked at the door, like the door from our garage into our house and it was crazy. It was like sparkling white, right? And, and, and that, that is all the dirt and all the thumbprints and all the you know, gunk from living in this house for 11 years, it's wiped away. When God forgives our sins, that's what he does. He wipes away and wipes it clean. The fourth word for forgiveness in the scriptures is the idea of sending away. It's the idea of releasing something or someone from jail or from captivity, right? And that's what God does when he sets us free, when he forgives us our sin, he releases us. Forgiveness is beautiful. Forgiveness is something that God does. And when you think about the imagery in the Bible to describe God's forgiveness, it's breathtaking. Consider these word pictures that God uses to describe forgiveness. In Isaiah 44, verse 22, he says, I have swept away away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. You sort of imagine this cloud and God just sweeps it away. That's what he does to our sin. Jeremiah 31, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. It's not that God can't remember our sin. He knows everything. It's that he chooses not to remember it. He chooses to let it go. In Isaiah 38 verse 17, Isaiah says, you have cast all my sins behind your back. Same picture. God's saying, okay, your sins are back there. I'm not going to look at them. I'm not going to focus on them. Your sins are behind your back. Micah 7 verse 19 says, you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Right? Maybe you've seen videos on the Discovery Channel or on YouTube of the depths of the sea and it's dark and nothing is down there and, and that's how far down our sins have been removed by God. Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. How far is the east from the west? They don't touch. They never touch. They're infinitely far away. And that is what forgiveness is. It's cleansing. It's paying off our debt. It's washing us. It's covering us. It's setting us free. It's hurling our sins, our debts and our trespasses into the bottom of the ocean and remembering them no more. Oh, that's good news. Well, here's the third question. How often do we need forgiveness? How often? 
Jesus seems to indicate that this is going to be a regular prayer. How often do we need forgiveness? Well, well, if you think about it, on, on one hand, you really only need forgiveness once and kind of in an ultimate sense, right? Like the main time you're going to need forgiveness is when you die and you stand before God. Right? This is going to happen. Hebrews 9.27 says man is destined to die once and after that, the judgment. There's not second chances. There's not a kind of halfway house called purgatory where you get to work off the mistakes you've made. No, no, no. You stand before God. You give an account to your life and that's the moment you need forgiveness. And that's what Jesus came to give. L- listen to what Jesus said to his disciples after he rose from the dead. He said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Listen, Jesus died and Jesus rose so that those who would repent, who would turn from their sin and trust in him could experience forgiveness of sin from every tongue and tribe and nation. That's the good news of the gospel. And the good news of the gospel is in that ultimate sense, our sins are forgiven once and for all by what Christ has done. The author of Hebrews talks about this. He contrasts how the the Jewish religious system had it where these priests would offer day by day by day the same sacrifices, the same sacrifices over and over and over and day by day they'd sacrifice these animals, they'd offer these animals, the blood would come out and that the blood of bulls and goats offered day after day after day was not sufficient to take away sin. But on the other hand, Jesus Christ offered himself once and for all the perfect Passover lamb who takes away the sins of the world and then he sat down at the right hand of God. So, so how often do we need forgiveness? Well, on one hand, you just need it once. You just need to be declared forgiven, declared righteous. That's the biblical idea of justification. It's the law court of heaven that in the law court of heaven, you are forgiven. On one hand, that's all you need. But on the other hand, You need forgiveness continually because listen, God isn't just a judge, an impersonal judge who's kind of tallying the score on your good and bad deeds. But we began this prayer praying our father in heaven. And so God is not just an impersonal judge. He's a relational father. And because we continue to do things that dishonor him and that belittle him and that show we don't trust him and that ignore what he says, because we continue day by day by day to break God's rules and break God's heart, we need to continually ask for forgiveness. Uh, Just last weekend, just to be real honest with you, we had a rough weekend at our house, especially Saturday, and a lot of it was me, uh, but Molly and I were just not on the same page. We were not getting along. Uh, we were treating each other poorly. We were both angry. We were both frustrated. We were not communicating well. I think we had some unmet expectations. I'm not going to get into all that we were dealing with, but we were frustrated at each other, and we both said some things and, and, and treated each other in some ways that, that weren't right. And so at the end of that day, and it took just about the whole day for us to finally get around to this, we, we finally said, hey, I, I did this, and I said that, and I'm sorry, and, and will you please forgive me? And we, and we forgave one another. Now, now imagine this. Imagine if I thought to myself, well, you know what? We're committed. We're married. I mean, we, we, we stood before God and our friends and said, well, till death do us part. So I mean, like, yeah, like we're not... 
We're not splitting up. We're committed to each other. So you know what? Since, since we kind of in the ultimate sense, we're going to be together, I don't need to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> well, I don't need to tell you that that's a stupid idea. We would not have a very close relationship. We would not have a very warm relationship. And so on one hand, while the law court of heaven says once and for all, you're declared righteous, you're declared forgiven, the relational part of our relationship with God says, no, we need to pray for this regularly. That's why Jesus said in verse nine, he says, pray then like this. And that word pray is a word that means continuously. It's a present tense word. Keep praying like this. So one of the things we should keep praying is that God would forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. How often do we need forgiveness? Honestly, we need it as often as we sin. Because even though our relationship with God isn't cast off, our closeness to God, our fellowship with God, our, our connection with God is broken when we sin. And so we pray and we confess our sin. And if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us and to welcome us home. Now, here's the last question, number four. What kind of forgiveness should we expect? What kind of forgiveness should we expect, right? We're in this relationship with God. Uh, what, what kind of forgiveness should we expect as we seek to draw close to God, as we seek to be in fellowship with God? Well, this is kind of a surprising answer, and it's the, the, the second part of verse 12. D- did you notice this? Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. As. What does that word mean? Well, as means in the same way, right? So you could translate it like this. Forgive us our debts in the same way that we also have forgiven our debtors. Huh? Yeah, you're reading this right. Here's what it's saying. Oh God, would you deal with me in the same way that I deal with others? Now you might go, whoa, 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 whoa. So, so hold on a second. Are you saying that Jesus is saying that this relational forgiveness is conditional? Like it, it's based on how we treat other people? And the answer is yes. That is exactly what he's saying. And if you're like, well, I don't know about that. Well, this is the only part of the Lord's Prayer that he actually elaborates on just a couple of verses later. Look again at verse 14. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now listen, this isn't saying that that in the law court of heaven, you were declared forgiven and now you lost that somehow. But what it is saying is the closeness with God. If you're unwilling to forgive other people and you're harsh toward them and you're bitter toward them, you're not gonna have closeness with God either. This is a serious, serious thing. In fact, Augustine of Hippo, St. Augustine said this, if you pray these words while harboring an an unforgiving spirit, you are actually asking God not to forgive you. That's serious. That's intense. That's a real thing. This really matters. There's a story that I heard of uh, a General James Oglethorpe. He's actually a, he was a military general uh, who was the founder of the colony of Georgia. And he was, had some relationship with John Wesley. And he was kind of known as this harsh, demanding, you know, military guy. And he told John Wesley, that preacher, he said, you know, I, I never ask for forgiveness. And you know what Wesley said back to him? He said, well then, sir, I hope you never sin. Because he knew this. Let me, let me ask you, are you sure you want to pray this prayer? Forgive us our debts 
as we have forgiven our debtors. God, God, use the standard of forgiveness on me that I'm using toward other people. You sure you wanna pray that? That's a dangerous prayer if you're harboring un- unforgiveness, if you're harboring bitterness, if you're harboring harshness in your spirit. That is a dangerous prayer to pray. Are there relationships where you're holding on to bitterness? Are there relationships where you are wishing other people ill and pain? Are there other relationships where you're trying to get vengeance? You're trying to pay back? If you're doing that, if that's the standard you're using toward other people, then don't expect God to bring you into some kind of close, warm relationship with you. I wonder if this might be a day of breakthrough and freedom for some people here today. I wonder if there might be some people who this has actually been the thing holding you back is that you've been holding on to bitterness in your heart. Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, here's the thing I know. I know that there are just some automatic, some quick objections that would come up in your mind because they would come up in my mind. And here's the first one. The first objection would be this. But wait, wait, wait. The person won't own up to their sin, right? The reason I'm bitter, the reason I'm not forgiving somebody is because they won't admit that they did anything wrong, right? They just act like nothing happened. They act like it's no big deal. They act like I didn't do anything. What about that? Well, here's something that this is so important. Gosh, this is important. And I see uh, fellow believers who I love screw this up all the time, okay? But this is really, really, really important. There is a huge difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Between forgiveness and reconciliation. Let me explain the difference to you. Forgiveness is a vertical thing. Forgiveness is vertical. Forgiveness is between you and and God, right? This is, this is not about how you're kind of even talking to or relating to other people. This is just the forgiveness between you and God. It's, it's vertical. This forgiveness is unconditional, right? This forgiveness doesn't matter whether the people admit that they did it, whether they acknowledge they did it, whether they ask you for forgiveness for doing it. This is about you before the Lord forgiving the person for what they did. And this is a matter of obedience, right? You are called to forgive right? To, and, you, and you're saying, God, use the same standards for me that I'm using for other people. That's what forgiveness is, right? So in forgiveness, you're not even necessarily talking to the other person. You're not going to the other person and saying, hey, by the way, I forgive you. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about forgiveness in your heart before God. Now, contrast that with reconciliation, Reconciliation is horizontal. Reconciliation is between you and the person who offended you, right? This is the idea that the relationship is broken because of the way that you've been treated and therefore it's a conditional thing, right? Reconciliation is not gonna happen unless the person admits that what they did is wrong, unless they own up to it, unless they show genuine remorse, uh, right? This is a conditional thing and it's a matter not of obedience but of wisdom, of wisdom, There are people who you should forgive before God who you probably shouldn't be reconciled with. They're dangerous, they're toxic, they're abusive, they're harmful. There are all kinds of relationships that that sadly, in a broken world, shouldn't be reconciled, but they should be forgiven. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you begin to enjoy the person. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you spend time with the person. Uh, forgiveness doesn't mean that you aren't still negatively affected by the consequences of the person and how they treated you. 
It doesn't mean there aren't real consequences in the relationship and in that person's life, but forgiveness is before God. Here's a second objection. Maybe you say, well, but the person hurt me really, really deeply. What about that, right? What, what about not just like ticky-tack things like, like you and your wife were just kind of mean to each other on a Saturday, but like what about really horrible stuff? And, and if you're even asking that question, I, I just want to tell you I'm sorry, and, I, and I'm sorry you experienced that, and I, and I wish I could change it. But, but here's what I want to encourage you with, is that forgiveness is not saying it was all right. It, forgiveness is not saying well, never mind, it didn't matter. See, sometimes I think that's what people think someone like me, a preacher, is saying when we say you need to forgive is that we're saying, oh, it needs just, it's okay, it's no big deal. No, you were sinned against. You were hurt. Some of you were abused. Some of you were traumatized. Some of you were horribly mistreated and it was wrong. We in no way should minimize that at all. But, but let me tell you this, your only hope for freedom, your only hope for healing is actually not by holding on to bitterness and holding on to revenge and hoping that someday through something you'll say or through withholding something that you will get vengeance. No, 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 that's not a path to healing. That's not a path to freedom. The path to freedom is forgiveness. One of my favorite stories of forgiveness is the story of Louis Zamperini. Maybe some of you know his story from the book or the movie Unbroken. It's an unbelievable story. It's probably one of my all-time favorite books by, by Laura Hillebrand, and, and it's just an incredible story. And, and what you find, I, I don't want to ruin it all for you, he goes through all kinds of incredible things, but one of the things that he goes through is for years, he's a POW in a Japanese camp, and he is abused horribly by this uh, kind of insecure, kind of a guy with little man syndrome, this guy that they called the bird. And for whatever reason, the bird, this, this uh, you know, soldier, this Japanese soldier just hated Louis Zemperini, just hated him. And so he had to endure all kinds of abuse and all kinds of mistreatment and all sorts of awful, awful things. It's gut-wrenching to read. Well, at one point, Louis makes it out of that camp. And as he gets out of that camp, he is overcome by this desire for vengeance. And he, he's, he can't sleep at night. He's been traumatized. He's been abused, right? It makes all kinds of sense that he is so angry. But, but he, he just can't live without the idea that he is gonna somehow get vengeance against the bird. And it just destroys him. He begins to drink. He begins to have all kinds of broken things happen in his other relationships because he's consumed with this vengeance. And Laura Hillenbrand, the author who tells his story, she makes a remarkable point. Listen to what she says. She says, in seeking the bird's death to free himself, Louis had chained himself once again to his tyrant. During the war, the bird had been unwilling to let go of Louis. After the war, Louis was unable to let go of the bird. If, if you are holding on to bitterness and to unforgiveness, even when you've been treated really, really horribly, you are chaining yourself once again to your abuser. You're giving them more power, more authority, more ability to inflict damage on you because you are committed to vengeance. Rather, God is calling you, God is challenging you, God is inviting you to put it in his hands. He says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Forgive, again, this doesn't mean you have to have a relationship, this doesn't mean you have to be close, this doesn't mean you'll ever be reconciled, but before God, will you begin the process of beginning to forgive? It's the only way 
you'll experience freedom. Well, here's the last objection that maybe you have. You might be thinking, well, gosh, but I don't have the power to do this. I, I, I don't have the power to forgive like that. Maybe you're like the disciples actually in Luke 17. There's this remarkable place in the beginning of Luke 17 where Jesus tells the disciples they need to forgive over and over and over and over and over. And do you know what their response is? Maybe their response is like yours. Their response is, well, then increase our faith. And Jesus gives them a lesson on faith, right? We just don't feel like we have the power to do this. And here's what I want to tell you. You don't. You don't have the power to forgive like this. This is a supernatural power to forgive. And it only comes by actually being forgiven of your sin, by realizing that you had a debt against God that you couldn't repay, by realizing you had done things over and over and over, not just to break the rules, but to break God's heart. And that despite that, despite you being an enemy of God, in his grace and in his mercy, he welcomed you in and he cleansed you and he embraces you and he wants to walk with you. And when you've experienced that kind of power, then and only then can you begin to truly forgive. And so I want to share with you a story. Maybe you, maybe you saw this story in the last year or so. Maybe you know the story of Botham Jean. He's the gentleman in Dallas who was minding his own business one day in his apartment. And this uh, woman, Amber Geiger, who was a police officer who was off duty and kind of on her way home, uh, ended up in the wrong apartment. She thought she was in her apartment, but she was actually on the wrong floor. And she saw this person in her apartment. And she, again, thought it was her apartment. It actually wasn't. It was his apartment. And she uh, pulled out her, her weapon and she shot and, and killed him. Tragic. Horrible. Just a terrible thing for her. A terrible thing for, for him and his family. And I want you to see the way that, that his brother spoke to her in the courtroom. This is Brant Jean. And Brant Jean had the opportunity to, to communicate to her his forgiveness. Now, again, he didn't have to do this. He could have just forgiven her before God. But he does something that is remarkable. And I think when you see this, you'll see where he got the power to do it. It's beautiful. Take a look. I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. 
Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. Isn't that amazing? Listen, I just have to think the only way you could have the ability to forgive someone like that who killed your brother foolishly, stupidly, probably not maliciously, but nonetheless, your brother's gone. How could you extend that kind of grace? How could you extend that kind of love? How could you extend that kind of kindness? Well, it's only if you've been forgiven by Jesus. It's only if you've been forgiven by the truly innocent sufferer, Jesus. He's the only one who didn't deserve to suffer, who didn't deserve what he got. He, he was truly innocent. And on that cross, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when you've had an encounter with him, when you've, you've experienced him cover your sin and release you from slavery to sin and wipe your slate clean and cast your sins into the bottom of the ocean floor, when you have seen him cleanse you and embrace you, then and only then will you have the power to forgive. So Jesus says this prayer that we should pray every single day. God, forgive me. And God, help me to forgive others. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the forgiveness that's offered in Jesus. And we pray now, God, that you would begin to set us free. God, you know far better than I do all of the areas of relationship that are broken, where there's bitterness and there's a desire for vengeance. There's a desire to repay. God, would you grant freedom today? Would you grant the ability to release people before you to, to turn them over to you, to trust you with what happens. And God, would you create healing? Would you create freedom? Would you create forgiveness? We pray in Christ's name, amen.